You know, I mean, you're a giving person. You'll find a way to give back to humanity as a whole. Yeah. So, I you know, like it. <laughs> if I have the time. If I'm not taking a nap got, or something. I've got enough to do. Hello, and welcome to Middleish, a podcast about moderation in all things. I am Michael Gray. And I'm Erin Green. How are you, Erin Green? I'm pretty good. Good. Yeah, just good. hanging out today. Hanging out. Hanging yeah, out, recording a podcast. Yeah, watching my cat sleep, wishing maybe I was still sleeping, but... <laughs> <laughs> it's always a nap. Yeah, there's, there is, you know... Um, Ever since I started working full time from home, one of the things Matt has encouraged me to do is take that afternoon nap, mm-hmm. and he he praises it like it's the the best thing ever. He's like, mm-hmm. man, when I was working from home, that afternoon power nap was like the best thing. I just drink drink a cup of coffee, go lay down for twenty minutes, and by the time I wake up, the caffeine hits and I'm ready mm-hmm. to go. And I'm like, mm, maybe I should just get more sleep at night. <laughs> Are you not a nap person? I try. I I actually became better at it when I was in like deep in Ironman training and just mm-hmm. exhausted all the time. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I'm actually pretty bad about making the time to just intentionally lay down and even just have quiet time. You know, like when you're in kindergarten and you right. have quiet time. I'm pretty good. Um, pretty bad, I should say, about carving that out in the afternoon because sure. in the afternoon, I kind of get to like, oh, I want to finish all these things before the day is done. And mm-hmm. anyway, it just doesn't work out. Yeah. So I'm not a not an awesome napper, but not I try. an awesome nap prioritizer. <laughs> How about you? Um, I like a good nap. I, I don't take them very often and I wish I did more because I feel like when I do... I just, I get a lot more done on kind of the second half of the day. You know, yeah. if I can get like 15, 20 minutes or even 10, sometimes I wake up and I'm like, all right, ready to go. It's like, just kind of yeah. restart. But I, I don't, I bet I don't take one nap a month, you know, even I wish I did more, but it just yeah. kind of doesn't work out. We should do, a a, we should do a sleep episode. I think we'll do that in the future. We should. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about yeah. it. Yeah, let's talk this, about sleep. This episode is not about sleep, you guys. <laughs> Obviously, this it's Friday is. and we're, we're, we're thinking about sleep a lot, but... No, do you mean like talking about sleep or just an episode where we just like sleep, like we just take a nap? Oh, yeah. And people listen to us snore into the mic mm-hmm. or breathe yeah. heavily. Yeah. That sounds... Let us know if you want that episode, everyone. Oh, or don't. <laughs> <laughs> If you're into that you, kind of thing, I don't know if you want us contacting us. <laughs> well, you could nap today, right? Because you're flying solo because the girls left to kind of escape the hurricane. Right. Well, no, right? They're, they're coming back a day early. So I've got to like, oh, okay. get things picked up and that kind you're of gonna stuff. You're going to rally. Yeah. Put away all the bachelor evidence. Right. Yes. <laughs> yes. All the beer cans everywhere. And- Cigarette butts and <laughs> right takeout containers. Yeah, yeah. No, we'll just kind of get things put back together. You know, I got all the house unboarded yesterday and stuff. But just like you know, get the trampoline put back up and patio furniture back out and all that kind of jazz. 
Yeah. I'm glad you guys weren't hit worse. I, I feel terrible for the families mm-hmm. who were, yeah. um, it was a pretty bad storm. So yeah. real scary stuff. Yeah, it was, it was interesting. Our first hurricane. So, I mean, I say it's our first hurricane, but we didn't have anything, you know, I mean, basically nothing happened, but just the whole prep and kids leaving and just kind of, it was a weird thing. Like I just kept waiting on Wednesday night. Like I was just waiting for it, you know, like when's it coming? When's it coming? Yeah. <laughs> I go outside like every 20 minutes, you know, out to the garage and cause the doors are all boarded up and just like kind of see what the wind was like and, you know, and it just never picked up. It never picked up. And I stayed up late cause I was like, I kind of want to experience a little bit, you know, it's like this awesome force of nature and mm-hmm. I want, I kind of wanted to be out and watch it come, you know, and get inside before it was dangerous for sure. But just kind of experience a little bit. And finally it was like one thirty, and I was like, all right, I'm so tired. <laughs> I don't think it's happening. I don't know what's going on here. So not that it was a letdown, but yeah. No, it's always better to be fully prepared for those things and then have it be uh, not yeah. as big of a deal. Sure. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but, good. You no, know, we're all good. We're all safe and no damage or anything really. So, yeah, good stuff. Excellent. Well, uh, what's our topic today? Uh, how to choose a fitness or uh, nutritional professional or coach or a dietitian or a personal trainer. Just how to work, how to find, identify, and find a good coach in that kind of health realm. That's yeah. what I'm talking about. Because I think it can be really tricky too, because I think right now the health and fitness industry is just so rampant with, mm. I mean, just it feels like everybody's a personal trainer or a health coach or, and there's just so much of it right now. And I don't know that that's going to go away anytime soon. And there's a lot of, um, without, well, I guess it's judgmental, whatever. I don't care. It, there's a lot of crap out there. There's a lot of, there's a lot of, that's truth. That is the truth. <laughs> doing it that should not be doing it. Um, and it's uh, the bar for entry is really low, at least as far as like personal trainers and like nutritional coaches go, it's pretty easy to get certified. And um, yeah, I mean, people think, well, I lost, I lost weight. I got myself in good shape so I can do it for anybody else. You know, yes. yeah, I did it this one time for me in a very specific situation. So now obviously I can work with anyone and people think like, oh, wow, they have, you know, they're lean. So they must be able to, they, they found the way to do it, you know? So the bar for entry is just so incredibly low right now. Yeah. And, that and just a lot of garbage. And you're right that I think because we're in the age of influencers mm-hmm. on social media, mm-hmm. that all of a sudden we have this whole population of people that can, um, you know, share their personal experience or their personal journey and present it as a message of authority and mm-hmm. expertise. Mm-hmm. And it's so hard for people to distinguish between the two. Um, and I mean, well, I think we're going to start talking about credentials because I think that's a very logical place Mm -hmm. for people to start is really finding out where that person got their education. Mm -hmm. And just to preface this with, I don't think that, you know, a specific 
training certificate or educational background is an absolute necessity because I've worked with a lot of experts um, that didn't go the traditional education route, but Mm -hmm. they were self-studied in a way that they Mm -hmm. not only had their personal experience and then their experience helping others, but they did a ton of reading, um, you know, just educating themselves from different sources instead of Mm -hmm. just going on their own experience. Right. No, I would agree. And I think, you know, I think speaking just in as a personal, like on the personal trainer side of things, I think it's important someone gets certified um, because I think that shows like I have a high level investment. I'm going to make a sacrifice financially and time wise, you know, that kind of stuff. I could care less if they stay certified, like because that means nothing really in the personal training industry for most certifications. It's it's a way for them to kind of have like continue revenue from you, you know, like, Oh, you got to yeah. do your CEUs. So pay for this $200 course from us. That really doesn't teach you much. I, I think it's, I don't think someone has to get certified as a personal trainer to be qualified by any means, because I've known some people that are certified and they are very unqualified, you know, right. <laughs> um, but I think it's a good idea to just invest in that way and get, you know, a lot of that knowledge. But honestly, what I learned from my certification almost 12 years ago now compared to what I learned in the first maybe year or two of just coaching people, nothing, nothing. And I mm. honestly felt incredibly unprepared to, to train, to run a session after I got my certification. Oh, really? Oh, very. <laughs> like, where do I, I like, start? I have no idea how to do this. Now I'm working with schedule, people. <laughs> right? Like I know these drills and I can tell you what muscle that is, but I don't know how to do this, you know? Um, so yeah, I think it's, I think, I think a certification can have a, a, a good, or it can be a really good idea. I don't think it's necessary. I certainly don't think mm-hmm. it's necessary to keep up with it because it's, it, it doesn't really do much for you. Um, and I think, I think what is important is that you you read and you read and you read and you learn and you find people who are doing uh, a really good job at what you're wanting to do and you just read everything they put out you know you you study your yourself and your clients and what gets results and what doesn't and just kind of this constant student and I think that's what as far as personal trainers go I think that's what makes a, a really qualified coach is someone who is um, just continually learning, you know, someone yeah. who can say, you know, two years ago, I oh, man, I think what I was doing then was garbage. And in two years from now, the way I'm doing things, I'm like, wow, I'm glad I'm not doing it that way anymore. You know, kind of this continual student of growing and learning. Yeah. And so there's, as far as personal training, there's a number of certifications mm-hmm. out there. Mm-hmm. I think there's a few that really stand out um, that that I'm familiar with anyway. There's ACE, um, uh, the American College of Exercise. Mm-hmm. There's uh, what do you have? There's ACSM. There's American College of Sports Medicine. Um, there's NSCA, National mm-hmm. Strength and Conditioning Association, and you have NASM. NASM, right? yeah. Um, there's also a CSCS, which is really that's kind of the cream of the crop for personal trainers. Um, that's the strength and condition certified strength, certified and, conditioning strength and, and conditioning coach. Conditioning specialist, yeah. 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 So that's yeah. through, that's through the NSCA. Oh, yeah. that's right. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's kind of the, as far as I'm concerned, sort of like the cream of the, the crop sort of top. Yeah. And don't get lost in all the acronyms, you guys. I mean, yeah. 
if somebody, if you ask somebody, what are your credentials or what's your, you know, I mean, hopefully they have it on their website Mm -hmm. or their business card and you can just Google that. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I would probably put in like ACSM comma, (laughs) you know, uh, personal training and just Google that and then read about what that credential means. Mm -hmm. Um, but the reason I think we're highlighting all this is so you can actually kind of advocate for yourself a little bit and know what the background is that that person has. Right. Well, and you know, I mean, at the same time, there's, you can become a certified personal trainer in an afternoon. You know, there, there are certifications out there. It's like 30 bucks and an hour, you know, and now you're a personal trainer. And there's no governing body for personal trainers for like regulations or anything like that. And it's kind of like the wild west, you know? Um, and so it just, it's, it can be really tricky to kind of know who's qualified and who's not. But at the same mm-hmm. time, it's kind of like a doctor, you know, you may have, you may go to a doctor who's an MD and I've been to some doctors that are terrible doctors, you know, and just because they went through medical school doesn't mean they're going to do a good job at it, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and, and not that, you know, I'm comparing personal trainers to doctors, but same thing. It's like, you know, you may have someone who got an afternoon certification and is fantastic, you know? Yeah. You have someone that got the CSCS kind of cream of the crop and they're a disaster. Yeah. So kind of a strange place. And I think it's important. We'll, we'll talk about this a little bit too, like personality matchups and, mm-hmm. you know, different approaches. Um, the certification is probably, I think, a logical starting point, just yep. knowing what the training background is, the, yep. the expertise of the individual. Um, but I, I also think it's important to know what other complementary experience or certifications that person has. So some personal trainers might be really great at like, um, helping somebody, you know, strengthen post injury or something. Mm -hmm. Um, other personal trainers are really good at just like building huge, you know, Mm -hmm. um, huge muscles and, mm-hmm. and, um, helping people with, with growth. Other people are really good at like a certain age group. So they work with right. elderly or they work with, you know, middle-aged, um, sedentary individuals. So kind yeah. of getting a feel for like what clientele I think, um, because there are definitely different, you know, niche markets. Oh, um, sure. and, yeah. and just to highlight something that I think is really cool with what you have going on with your own, um, experience expertise is that you have a background in social work. Right. Yeah. And to me, that's probably what, I mean, I'm guessing probably really helped you start working with people. How you say like, Mm -hmm. Oh geez, I wasn't really, (laughs) I wasn't really prepared to actually sit down with a client and get this going. Um, but the fact that you have a person centered, um, background is, is really valuable. Right. Well, and I, for me, you know, like I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a gym rat, you know, I never have been. I was a maybe average athlete in high school, probably a little bit below, just okay. You know, good enough to make the team and uh, that's about it. You know, so I'm not, I'm not someone who is like super interested in, you know, hitting the gym six days a week and, you know, meat heady mentality. What I love is helping people you know, and I love being a part of people being 
healthier and successful and meeting their goals and that kind of stuff. And this is just kind of the avenue I found to do that in. Because I, I was a social worker, you know, um, worked in a few different mental health hospitals. Um, and I love that aspect. I kind of burn out on that and was like, okay, so how do I do this in a different way? And, um, and I found this and it's, it's not, it, I'm not passionate about, well, I wouldn't say I'm not passionate about strength training because I am, I think I see so many benefits for it, but it's not like, I'm just like, ah, the gym. Yes. You know, like <laughs> I'm not a personal trainer that you would think of when you think of personal trainer, you know, stereotypical at all. It's just sort of the, uh, the way I've found to kind of help people, you know, mm -hmm. because that's, that's what I, I like to do. You know, I think that's a good point because people might hear the phrase personal trainer, or they might think hiring a trainer in a gym means I'm going to get this type of person or this type of personality. And some people I think are really intimidated by that because oh, they are sure. not interested in doing the, you know, super involved weightlifting or, um, you know, really high intensity cardio, or, you know, they're probably, um, scared of hiring a trainer because of that aspect. So sure. I hope, um, I hope this discussion helps people realize that there are so many different types of personalities and, um, you know, expertise, I mm -hmm. guess, compliments that go along with a certification as a personal trainer. Um, so, and we'll, um, again, we'll kind of move forward to like, personality and what kinds of questions yeah. to ask. Yeah. Um, so I often get asked, what's the difference between a diet, a registered dietitian and a nutritionist? Um, and it's not an easy answer. Uh, basically, well, let me back up. Registered dietitian, okay, the, the credential of RD was changed a few years ago to RDN, registered dietitian nutritionist. Oh, okay. So, so confusing because people <laughs> for the longest time, what RDs would do is kind of fight the whole being called a nutritionist because we're right. like, we're not nutritionists, we're registered dietitians, yeah. you know, grr. but we suddenly realized like this nutritionist is a very relatable word for, sure. for everybody. You hear the word nutritionist, you know, you automatically think, oh yeah, they know a lot about nutrition. So what the, um, registered dietitian population did was decide we are going to sit, call ourselves registered dietitian nutritionists because nutritionist is like a, an umbrella term that sure. encompasses basically anybody who has an expertise in nutrition, mm -hmm. but there's definitely a hierarchy within that. Mm -hmm. So all registered dietitians are nutritionists, but not all nutritionists are registered dietitians. It's a square rectangle thing. Exactly. Very good. <laughs> so for those of you who hated geometry, sorry, but <laughs> they're still scratching their heads. <laughs> what? Yeah. So a registered dietitian uh, has to go through an accreditation process um, that includes at least a four-year um, uh, bachelor's degree. And we are required to um, undergo specific number of hours in various aspects of um, health and nutrition and food service. So 
some of my practical experience was in hospitals and with in clinical settings with very sick populations and very specific dietary needs, um, tube feedings, um, you know, IV feedings, which we call TPN, you know, all of this stuff, very like clinical medical based. I also did a lot of community service things. So working in schools, working with healthy populations, um, doing, you know, like my job at WIC, that's a very dietitian centric uh, kind of setting. Right. We did food service stuff. So like catering gigs and working in commercial kitchens and chopping a thousand chicken breasts or working in the <laughs> dish room. So doing those kinds of food service activities that right. you wouldn't necessarily think a registered dietitian dietitian needs to know how to do those. Mm -hmm. But the point was, if you are ever going to be running a kitchen someday, or you're ever going to be inspecting a kitchen someday, you need mm -hmm. to have worked in all of these different aspects of food service in order to right. understand, you know, the different right. um, considerations of each. So not only that, we get management training, um, we get professional development training, we have um, not just those practicum hours, but then a ton of, you know, just the schoolwork and the projects. Mm -hmm. And it's all overseen by the governing body, which is the American Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics. Mm -hmm. And then, as you mentioned, continuing education training. So once we go through all of the schooling, we sit for the exam, we have to pass the exam, and then we have to re-up our certification um, every four years. And mm -hmm. so we will be her five. I guess. Um, so we will be doing continuing education activities, whether that is right. um, attending conferences or um, continuing our schooling in a master's degree or something like that. Or, um, you know, we can read articles and attend webinars. And there's a, a thousand ways you can get those continuing ed credits. But mm. I, explaining all this, I hope illustrates the very rigorous process that registered dietitians have to go through in order to get that credential. Right. And then some states license us, like in Idaho, I'm licensed under the Board of Medicine, mm -hmm. which gives me an additional um, checkpoint to make mm -hmm. sure that I have met all of these um, you know, requirements. Right. So when I think of registered dietitians, we, are, we thrive on networking with each other. I think we have a very strong community in terms of sharing ideas and sharing resources and um, helping each other be our best at our jobs. Mm -hmm. So that's something that I've really enjoyed about my career is that I never feel like I'm just completely alone in this. You know, I always have a network to reach out to. Um, and I know that those other registered dietitians have had a very similar schooling to me. And so we all automatically have this relatable kind of, you know, um, yeah. interaction. So, right. um, now on the flip side, a nutritionist, I mean, who, who knows what, what kind mm -hmm. of credential they, they got, what kinds of requirements. Um, I will say that I have met people who have a nutrition certification such as yourself right. who, who really have a great grasp on the many aspects of nutrition. Something I didn't mention in the schooling is also cultural and emotional mm -hmm. and psychological. Um, you know, those, those helping and counseling skills that come in to play. Right. Um, so I have met several people that are not registered dietitians and know 
a lot about nutrition and are really wonderful to work with. Mm -hmm. So that's not to say anybody who's not a registered dietitian, don't trust them. Right, right. This is more like you need to dig a little deeper, I think, um, with anybody that you're looking for to help with nutrition. And one case in point is a registered dietitian here in town years ago. She had found this online group that was basically you could sign up for a certification online. And so she signed up her dog for a certification as a nutritionist through this website and got it. (laughs) So Barkley or whatever ended (laughs) ended up being the nutritionist. So just to illustrate that you just don't know if somebody Mm -hmm. puts something like certified nutritionist behind their name, you can't be sure what, you know, what exactly did they do to get that? So ask some questions and investigate a little bit. Yeah. And it's good. I mean, I think with anything, you know, like, I mean, if, if you see someone that is, is a registered di- dietitian, you know, they've gone through a rigorous process, right? If you see that someone has something like nutritionist or nutritional coach or something like that, mm-hmm. you don't know that, you know, right. And that's not to say that everyone who's gone through the dietitian process is going to be good at it. Cause like in every field, mm-hmm. there are people who aren't, but you know, that there's been a very rigorous process to get there. Other, you know, nutritionist, nutritional certification, you know, nutrition coach, whatever, um, you don't know that, you know, and so I think it's, it's a good idea, again, to do a little bit of digging, like, okay, so, hey, you say you're a nutritional coach, who are you certified through, you know, and let me check this company out a little bit um, to kind of see what they're about, you know, I, I got certified through Precision Nutrition, who is, I, in my opinion, the best out there as far as becoming like a nutritional coach. Um, and even as good as it is, it's not a dietitian, you know, (laughs) it's not at all like, like, yeah, I can, I can help you with some nutrition stuff and habit change and that kind of thing. But there are a lot of intricacies of how nutrition impacts the body and how the processes work that, um, some people really need to be addressed that I can't do. It's also the reason, and I think this is important to throw out there that, um, Unless you are a registered dietitian, you cannot write meal plans. It's actually <laughs> illegal. You cannot do it. So you, if you have, you know, your little, um, you know, personal trainer at the gym who's, you know, been doing it for two months and is like, oh, write your meal plans. That's incredibly inappropriate. Um, it's, it's just not, it's one, it's not legal. Two, they don't have the expertise. Um, three, it's way out of scope for them. Um, it's just, it's not a good idea. So to me, that's always a red flag when you have a personal trainer who's talking about meal plans. Um, I think they often have good intentions and maybe don't realize it, you know, that they're out of scope or that it's illegal. Um, but it's, that should be a red flag for me. I think it's, uh, interesting that, that you bring that up because people probably look at food as being non-prescriptive, right? Like you just go to the grocery store and buy the food you need. So they probably think it's harmless for somebody to share, Mm -hmm. um, a meal plan or to, to give them guidance in that way. Um, in some ways, sure, it could be considered harmless because you Mm -hmm. have safeguards in place in terms of like your own hunger cues and, Mm -hmm. you know, your, your ability to, um, you know, kind of gauge what kinds of foods you might need. And I will say that when I've had clients come to me and they say, oh, I worked with a, sometimes they say a dietitian and I'll listen a little more and I'll say, so was this person a registered dietitian? And they'll kind of be like, oh, 
well, I don't really know. And come to find out they were not. Sure. Um, but I've seen some quote meal plans that I was just like, this is what they gave you. Mm-hmm. I mean, literally just, okay, you have a protein shake in the morning mm-hmm. with a, like a smoothie with some spinach in it. And then you have chicken, broccoli, mm-hmm. brown rice yep. <laughs> for lunch. And then you have chicken, broccoli, you might have another protein shake in the afternoon and then chicken, broccoli, and sweet potato for dinner. So, right. oh boy, we got some variety in there. Broccoli, right. brown rice, yep. or broccoli, sweet potato. Yeah. Um, and to me, that's just an insult to a nutrition, nutrition professionals everywhere because it completely disregards a very important aspect of nutrition, which is, you know, well, several aspects, really your budget, your cooking ability, your Mm -hmm. likes and dislikes. What, Mm -hmm. what kinds of foods do you like? Maybe food intolerances, Mm -hmm. um, maybe your cultural or family considerations. You know, there's so many different aspects that are just very deeply ingrained in not only my education, but just my career path as a dietitian that, Mm. um, you know, I think they get overlooked, especially when you're kind of using that, you know, the personal trainer giving meal plan kind of scenario. That's a very common one for people just to look at, oh, well, it's as simple as throwing nutrients at the person and just right. eating foods with these nutrients. Right. So. Yeah. Well, even just, I mean, even just like medical issues and diseases and medications that like nutrition impacts this stuff, you know, mm-hmm. and, and you could, you could easily find yourself in a position where you are doing harm with your simple meal plans, um, either medically, you know, physically, or even emotionally. And that's an important piece too. You know, um, it's, I think it's zero data on this, totally speculation, but I think I'm right. Uh, (laughs) I, I, I think there are a lot of personal trainers who prescribe meal plans that absolutely reinforce eating disorders, body dysmorphia, that kind of stuff. And they're just actively doing harm um, without realizing it, you know, that's a very, um, Michael, I'm so glad that you mentioned that because I think that's a a very important and under appreciated impact that health professionals have Mm -hmm. on people is the, the psychological impact. Um, and, don't get me wrong. I think a lot of it is unintentional. It's, it's an unintended consequence sure, absolutely. of the profession. hundred percent. Um, and not every client is going to be forthcoming with mm-hmm. that kind of information that they have mm-hmm. struggled with this, or even that they realize that, um, some of their eating habits are considered disordered. Now, somebody who has had even a glimpse of the, the proper training and background would know some questions to ask and some things to look for. Mm-hmm. I've had dietitians refer other clients to me saying like, I think there's more going on here and they're maybe not quite comfortable delving into disordered eating and other things. I, I'm trained to do so and I'm um, comfortable with that. And so I will uh, take on that kind of client. Um, but I, I think you're exactly right. There's kind of this surface, um, I don't even want to call it assessment because I don't know, you know, that sounds almost like too, um, you know, giving the benefit of the doubt there. I don't even know if there's a proper assessment done. I don't think Um, there usually is, Erin. Yeah. I think it's just, here you go. I'll write you a meal plan. Here you go. 
this is how you do it. I don't know about your medical history. I don't know about, you know, your, where you've been and where you're going. I don't ask about any diseases or any medication, nothing. It's just, here's your meal plan. Yeah. That's, that's what I have seen in person 99% of the time, you know? And this is a, a good segue into the conversations to have, I think, with, with a coach or a fitness or nutrition professional um, before you hire them, while you're on the look and while you're considering this. You have to, first of all, kind of sit with yourself a little bit and understand what is it I'm wanting to get out of this. Mm -hmm. Some people, you know, like Michael and I have said, I think in almost every episode that people come to us usually seeking weight loss or some version of that, um, improving their fitness. That's cool. Talk to us about it, Mm -hmm. but also think about what, how do you want to feel going through this Mm -hmm. program? What are really important things that you have going on in your life that are non-negotiable? Do you have pizza night with your family? Do you have, you know, um, busy evenings so you can't do a two a day kind of workout or you can't do food prep all the time? You know, what are some things that are very practical, but Mm -hmm. then also maybe be honest with yourself on some of the emotional and psychological things that could be impacting maybe past attempts or your history Mm -hmm. with food, your history with exercise, Mm -hmm. and just be honest with that person when you talk to them. And trust me when I say it's perfectly okay to to inquire and talk with somebody and decide they're not the one for me and Mm -hmm. keep looking because there are a thousand out there and there's one for you. Yep, exactly. In fact, I've started saying that even when people initially contact me, like, hey, let's hop on the phone and see if we're a good fit. Yes. You know, because you know what? Maybe I don't want to work with you. That's possible. (laughs) Right? But at the same time, time, maybe you don't want to work with me. And that's okay. You know, I long ago gave up the idea that I'm I'm the best coach for everybody. Long ago. Because I'm not. You know, and I think that's probably more personality than anything. Like if you're going to work with a coach, you got to have some sort of like, you want to click with them on a personality level. You want to enjoy that person. You want to feel like that person's being genuine and sincere with you. You want to feel like that person listens to you. You know, you got to have that because it's, it's, I think too often we take like, weight loss or getting healthy or that kind of stuff. And we just, we make you, we make it formulaic, you know, and it's just like, okay, I just need someone to tell me to tick these boxes and how exactly to tick them. And then I'm going to be fine. And that like, doesn't even begin to scratch the surface. You know, it's like, there's so much beneath that, that, that has to be understood and addressed and accounted for, um, that, that really goes into, being successful and having a successful experience with a coach, you know, and I think, you know, going back to the meal plans, that's, that's the approach. I think a lot of trainers or nutritionists or whatever, uh, take. And, and I, I agree with you. I think it is a slap in the face of what you do as far as a meal plan. Cause it's not a meal plan. It's just like, <laughs> here's the, here's the food you get to eat. It's the, <laughs> that's it. Like, like there's no plan. It's the same thing you gave to the last person. You know it's the I mean? Windex, the Windex effect. What's that? <laughs> I don't know the Windex have you, effect. Have you, have you seen my, my big fat Greek wedding? 
No. No, that's a no. The dad, so the, um, oh my gosh, uh, I can't, sorry, I can't remember the uh, main actress's name in the, in the center of the movie, but her dad, she comes mm-hmm. from this big Greek family. Her dad believes that Windex basically cures everything, fixes everything. <laughs> so he, it shows him throughout the movie spraying Windex like on his arm or like whatever, like he, I don't know, bumps his arm or he's like at yeah. the dinner table just spraying Windex on his body because it's like, <laughs> it's like the cure-all, it fixes everything. Nice. So back to your point, little off topic, but I just think like the Windex, I mean, it's so, it's so random, but that's what a lot of people end up doing. Yep. And that's exactly what you're describing is this like kind of this one size fits all approach. And, oh, this is, this is the thing, chicken, broccoli, rice, or chicken, broccoli, whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't even know where that came from, but that's the thing. Mm-hmm. And this is what works for everybody because it's super simple. You can control the macros, you can control the calories so easily, and you don't have to put any thought into it as a professional. Nope. I mean, geez, you just throw it out there to anybody who comes simple. your way. And you yeah. say like, you might adjust portions a little bit because you think they need more calories, which we could get into the whole calorie counting business mm-hmm. and why that I'd probably run in the other direction if somebody's like super rigid on that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's the Windex effect is thinking that like this one size fits all and this is the cure all for everybody. Right. Well, I think, I think what we see a lot is that people assume that's the way, like a coach, a new coach will assume that's the way to do it because that's what they did. And they've been quote unquote in shape for two months now doing this thing. They, ha- they haven't had sustainability yet. And I really like this and I want to help other people. And so the only knowledge I have is what I did, even though I don't know if it's sustainable because it just happened. Like I see this a lot. I see a lot of people become trainers who just like barely got in shape. You know what I mean? Like, like barely met their goals or and I don't use in shape because that's what people use, um, that term. But they, they just met their goals and, and they haven't done it with any kind of longevity, you know? And all they know is what they know. All they know is what they did. And so then that must be the thing that I now have to prescribe to other people. And then when people inevitably can't, can't do it because it sucks, you know, and eating boiled chicken every day. I mean, I don't want to do one boiled chicken. God. I mean, ugh. Yuck. You know? <laughs> really? And maybe it's like in a casserole or something, but like by itself, really? You're, you're telling people who are like working 40, 50 hours a week, they have three kids and, you know, all this stuff that they have to eat boiled chicken, you know? Oh, and here's the other thing, right? Here's the other thing is I guarantee these meal plans do not take into any kind of consideration if they have kids to cook for. So now they have to do three Two. Or three, three. yeah. Six meals a day, right? Because they have to do theirs. They have to do the ones for their kids and the family, right? This is a problem. And so then when they inevitably can't hack it, the coach is faced with this dilemma of like, okay, so is it on me that I don't know how to do this well? I don't know how to write meal plans in a way that people can be successful and long-term? Or is it that they just can't hack it and they just need to try harder? Oh boy. And you know where that leads. Guess what they pick? Well, you just need to try harder. You know, you just come on, suck it up. Let's do it. Come on. You know, and, it, and then it, and then there enters the whole stereotypical personal trainer approach of just like, 
you know, I'm going to shame you into this. I'm going to, you know, make it, well, you've just got to be stronger. You've just got to try harder. You've just got to do better. You know, when really the fault is on the trainer, the person prescribing this, you know, and that's something I've seen a whole lot. Yeah. Which is, I think why I found our first conversation at your wedding so refreshing because you had an approach that was very person-centered, you know, instead of thinking like, I just know the right way to do this. And this is Mm -hmm. the, this is the way I approach all clients. Um, or, or even this is the way I approach all, you know, middle-aged female clients. This is the way I approach all 20 year old male clients. This is the way I approach, you know, whatever. Um, really just listening to the person and finding that, um, supportive role that you can play. And that's how I think of my job. I mean, yes, my job includes education, um, to the individual and people have questions, you know, they want to know like, what, what do you think of this yogurt or that yogurt? What do you think of, you know, intermittent fasting and all that stuff? So yes, the education piece is there, but I really think my job at its base level is being kind of like a tour guide. Okay. So treat the client as the expert in their own lives. What are they after? Like, what are, what do you want to accomplish with with this? How do you want to feel going through this? What kinds of things work for you? And I guarantee you that no nutrition plan or template or guidance that I give is exactly the same. It just isn't. And that's just how I, I mean, I want people to know that I am here for you and you are an individual. And yes, there are a lot of similarities. I mean, nutrition can be simplified really. I mean, with regards to the types of foods and um, you know, how often we eat, we can simplify that and give some very broad recommendations. At the same time, when I'm working with a client one-on-one, I really want to listen and hear what are the individual needs I'm seeing here. And you brought up a good point, like with a family, you know, how many clients have I had come to me that have worked with a nutritionist or trainer or whomever, a coach in the past? And they're like, well, I got tired of making so many different meals for everybody. hundred percent. And I'm like, why would you have to do that? Why are you doing that? <laughs> Kids need to eat the same kind of nutritious food that adults yeah. do and vice well, versa. My coach like gave me a plan that was only this and my yeah. kids aren't it's like holy yeah. crap. Yep. Yeah. So have yeah. those conversations, people, and um and don't be afraid to ask, like, you know, maybe for an example of have you worked with somebody my age with my kinds of goals that's you know looking for the same kinds of results? Have you worked with somebody like this and what was your approach? Um, and something you said earlier that uh, made me think of my own journey finding a triathlon coach um, that I'd like to share because I took it very seriously. You know, being kind of in the coaching business myself, I had worked with a coach for five years. Um, had a really great working relationship with him, but reached a point where I just felt like, okay, I've maybe got like a couple years left in the sport and I feel like maybe there's some untapped ideas. And that's the other thing you guys is working with different professionals. There will be different approaches, Mm -hmm. um, that is, is worth investigating, you know, just Mm -hmm. because you've, it doesn't mean things have to be wrong with your current trainer or, you know, nutrition coach or whoever that you have to go find somebody better. It just might be different. So I decided I needed something different and 
I really had in my head because I have a sports science background. I wanted somebody with like the nitty gritty scientific ex fizz background that could just get right. out and talk to me on nerd level, you know, <laughs> with, with exercise physiology. It's going to nerd out oh. on the crap cycle. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Let's, let's talk about the different, you know, glycogen pathways and all that stu- yeah. super geeky stuff. And so I, I dove in, I started networking and asking people, I mean, I had a pretty good grasp on some coaches that I wanted to pursue um, because I had been in, in uh, professional racing for so long. And I reached out to seven different, seven or eight different coaches. I ended up having interviews with um, phone interviews with multiple coaches. Mm-hmm. I sought out advice from other professional triathletes. I mean, this, you don't have to go through this whole rigorous process, you guys, but just letting you know, this is what it took at my level mm-hmm. to actually vet out a good coach. Mm-hmm. And here's what it came down to. I had a final four that I, I, sat Matt down and gave him a beer and said, we're going to decide this tonight. We've got to figure out a coach and you're going to help me because he knows me better than anybody. Right. So personality wise, he was a really good um, input for me. And it came down to a coach that was um, recommended by a friend that I had actually met several years earlier as an age grouper. It was one of her final races as a professional triathlete. And it was one of my first like kind of big races that I was really prepared for. And I had big goals for as an age grouper. And I met her at a party with my friends and she was just so like down to earth, easy to talk to. We totally like just hit it off. And I felt like I could actually be friends with this person. Mm -hmm. And there's kind of this, um, you know, there's this sense of when you're an age grouper and you want to like have a really great performance or you have goals and you meet a pro, you're, you're kind of starstruck a little bit, you know, and you're like, Oh, a pro, you know? Yeah. And so I had a great conversation with her. Um, we became Facebook friends and I kind of followed her, um, your Facebook posts and whatever. It sounds familiar, right, Michael? Like (laughs) (laughs) kind of like you and I, um, And when I came down to decision time and I was telling Matt, you know, this is the different, it was between my coach that I ended up choosing, her name's Marilyn Chakota. She uh, lives in Arizona, fabulous triathlon coach, if anybody is listening. Um, I decided between her and then somebody who had like a really strong, very geeky and data-driven scientific kind of background Mm -hmm. and approach. And I just said, you know, Matt, that saying, you never, you might forget what somebody says, but you'll never forget how they made you feel. Mm-hmm. That was my impression with Marilyn mm. years before. I mean, I think <clears throat> it was like seven years before. So, mm-hmm. um, wow. and I told her, yeah, I told her that story and, and she totally remembered, you know, our first meeting and we both just, of course we're, you know, now friends. Um, and we became friends through the coaching process too. But I just remembered that initial conversation we had, who knew that it would be basically her interview to coach me, you know, right. seven years down the road. So yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So what are some, what are some red flags for you? Like, or or other things like if we're looking at, cause I mean, 
honestly, social media is kind of, you know, most coaches kind of calling card. It's their advertisement. It's, you know, that kind of thing, um, which I think it's important. And maybe we'll get into this a little bit more later, but my social media pages have on them what I want to put on them. I'm in a hundred percent control of what's on there. Right. And so when you're looking at people's social media pages, I think it's important to remember that this is what they're wanting to broadcast. This is what they're choosing to put out in the world. And so just having that filter, I think is really important because when someone is like a quote unquote coach, right. Or an influencer or whatever, and they love helping people, but what they put out into the world is, you know, dozens and dozens and dozens of, you know, pictures of them uh, showing off their six pack or bending over in front of the camera to show off their butt. Like, (laughs) how does this help me? Right. How does this help me? How does this help me decide if you're a good coach or not? How does this tell me you're interested in helping me? Because it really seems like this is about you. Yeah. I I keep thinking about the dumb and dumber scene where he's like, I'm going to hang at the bar and put out the vibe. And he pulls up his blue tux and shows his butt or orange. I guess he's in the orange tux. Jim Carrey is shows his butt. He's bending over (laughs) trying to really put out that vibe. I'm with you. I, I will get a pretty good impression, um, based on somebody's social media presence and the kinds of things that they, they put out there. I will definitely look for, um, any conflicts of interest, Mm -hmm. meaning, are you trying to sell supplements? Are you trying to sell a product? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I feel very fortunate that I'm in the business of basically selling food. (laughs) So, you know, I'm, I'm pretty, you know, upfront with any relationships I have with different food industries, or, you know, if I have a sponsorship with a, a sports nutrition company or something, um, and I am very cognizant that that does not drive my messaging um, to people and that that is very transparent from the beginning. Um, and, and you're right. Just looking at the presence that somebody mm-hmm. has. And I think if somebody is very focused on results, like showing this before and after thing, right. I think it's a very different um, promotion of the process mm-hmm. versus promotion of the the outcome and results mm-hmm. driven sort of thing. You know what yep. I mean? Yep. So it's kind of like you described helping people is really important to you. Like the process of helping people and helping people is a process. It's not like right. an outcome because right. it's continual. Right. 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 So I think you can, you can kind of suss that out too. Mm-hmm. And also know that people who are really, um, spouting these either, you know, quick body changes or quick outcomes or really dramatic outcomes. Um, Beware that maybe the methods are not necessarily um, a good holistic fit Mm -hmm. for people. Right. Well, and I think, I think, a couple of things. I want to say something about products in a sec, but about before and after pictures, like I share them sometimes, but I'm also conscious about how much I do because I think when someone is, when that's all they're sharing is like the result, the result, the result is I think they're really fostering and encouraging this idea that it's that once you get to the goal, like that's the end and that's the end of the process. Yeah. That's not 
And I think, I think it, it really encourages this really unhealthy uh, kind of thinking and detrimental kind of thinking because we often don't think about like, okay, once I do get to X, well, th- then I'm just good. I'm there. And it's like, no, you, you still have to, you have to maintain that forever for the rest of your life. You know, like the process isn't over. The process has barely started, you know, and not that you didn't work hard to get there, but the process isn't over. And I feel like a, a lot of times when you see this, like before and afters, before and afters, it kind of encourages us like, okay, it's this little window slice of your life and you get here and you're good. You There's know? a beginning and end. Yeah. And it doesn't matter how you get there. Just get there so you can have the before and after, you know? Mm-hmm. And it doesn't take into, you know, mental health and emotional health and sustainability and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I, I'm not saying that if someone shares those a lot, that, that that's what they're doing. But to me, it is something that makes me go, mm, okay, I, I'd like to know a little bit more about this. You know, it gives yes. me pause for sure. And then going back to products, like, you know, I, I know of some coaches that I respect the hell out of and they sell products but they're their own products, they're training programs, they're, you know, this kind of stuff. Um, and to me, that's very different than if a coach or a trainer is selling like Herbalife or something like that. Um, yeah. Because I think when, when someone is selling, you know, Shakeology or, you know, one of those things, well, now I have a, I have a financial interest in you buying this thing. Yes. Right. And if I say I believe in this thing, well, now I feel compelled for it to be appropriate for everyone, whether or not it is. And now I kind of have to talk you into this thing because that's how I make my money. And, you know, and there's this really sticky kind of moral conundrum I think people find themselves in. And it's the reason, I, you know, I, got a, I first got approached with selling Mona V or I don't know one of those seed producers and I've been approached to sell stuff a lot and even early on like I think the first time I got approached I was about three years into training and I just told them I said I have zero interest in selling a product because I don't want to put myself in a position where I'm conflicted between financial gain and maybe not the best solution for you right you know and I think that's what happens a lot of times when people are selling these sort of multi-level or what they call it uh, multi-level marketing. Yeah. Multi-level marketing yeah. kind of thing. MLM. You know? mm-hmm. MLM. Yeah. Um, it just, it puts them in a position where they have to question or they may very, they very well may have to question money or what's best, you know? Yeah. And I think it comes back to what we were talking about that whole one size fits all approach mm-hmm. is yeah. It doesn't mean that this product, you know, that any of those products are, you know, bad or inappropriate um, for the masses. It just means that those aren't necessarily the key or a necessity to your success. And so just be aware of that, that if you do choose to work with somebody who has, hopefully they're very upfront about their affiliations or, you know, the products that they push, but... I have seen far too many people that, you know, come to me with, oh, I saw a nutritionist. Okay. And these were the supplements that were recommended. And I'm like, right. Okay. What did they explain this? You know, what, what led to this? Mm-hmm. Um, Is there a and reason then you com- can't get these with food? <laughs> right. Right. And then come to find out there was some kind of 
influence there Mm -hmm. with the practitioner, whoever that was, who has a relationship with a company or whatever. So that's something just to be very aware of. Mm -hmm. Um, and don't be afraid to ask those questions and don't, don't be afraid to follow your gut instinct with that. If you Mm -hmm. feel pressured, I mean, it goes back to, you know, kind of my conversation about choosing Marilyn as my triathlon coach that first conversation I had with her was so natural and just felt so good. And I felt listened to and supported in so many ways. If you have that conversation with a coach, then you can, I think that is probably one of the top priorities is how that person makes you feel and, and help support you as an individual. Um, so if, if that person happens to be affiliated with a supplement company, if, you know, maybe they have some other methods that you're kind of questionable, maybe that's something you can work around. Maybe that's something that you can just decline and say, you know what, I'm, I'm not right. really interested in supplements, but I still want to work with you. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I think it depends on, on how they approach that kind of thing too, because I think, I don't know a lot about, you know, like Herbalife or Shakeology or those kind of things, um, you know, a little bit. And they may be appropriate for some people, or they may be beneficial for some people. You know, they may be a good fit. Um, I don't know. But I know that if, in my opinion, if a coach brings up those things in your first call, if a coach is like pushing these things initially, or honestly, even if a coach is, is um, selling those things online, like if that's part of their regular social media you know, plan is to let you know, Hey, I've got this thing. I've got this thing. I've got this thing. It's not there. They are blatantly not taking into consideration whether or not it's appropriate for you. It's just, it's, I'm selling this and I need to make money. So it's appropriate for everyone. You Mm -hmm. know, now if it's a situation where they were like, you know, maybe after working together for a little bit, Hey, you know, I have this thing that I think might be beneficial to you because of X, Y, and Z and what we've talked about, you know, whatever. And what do you think about that? I think that's a very different situation than when someone is just sort of like, hey, everybody, I got this thing. Who wants to buy <laughs> powder. it? Magic you know? powder. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and to me, when I see coaches, um, you know, posting and, and kind of pitching that kind of stuff, for me, it's a, it's a massive red flag. Um, and it, it's a big turnoff for me. Yeah. I feel like you're, 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 uh, you're jaded. You know, you have an extreme bias in, in what you're going to present to a client. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not to say that, um, you know, sometimes people truly believe in whatever supplement it worked for them. Mm -hmm. They love the company, they know the, the owners or managers or whatever. And so they truly believe in what they are promoting. And that's, that's fine. I mean, you know, we all have things that we mm-hmm. believe in as, as uh, fitness professionals and, and health professionals. I think what I hear you're saying, and, and I would agree with, is that um, just blatant promotion and belief that everybody should, right. um, you know, should buy into this or, or take this on. Or in some cases that if you're working with me, you're going to be, this is going to be in your quote meal plan is to use these products. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So you got to buy them and preferably buy them through me. So I get the the kickback. So yeah, Yeah. that's a, that's an important one to, to look at for sure. Yeah. 
I had a thought and I just lost it. Uh oh. It, it was something. Those I, usually was, come back to you. Remember They'll that come one back. like several weeks ago? Oh, yeah. It was like <laughs> 10 minutes later and I was like, oh, I found it. <laughs> It'll come back. Yeah, maybe. Um, you know, in the meantime, um, mm-hmm. you know, just to wrap up, look at the credentials mm-hmm. of the person ask the questions, you know, where did they get their training or what's their background? Um, you know, go with, uh, your kind of your gut instinct on that initial interview. And hopefully that person will offer to have a conversation with you before you commit to working with them. Mm-hmm. Beware of the one size fits all mm-hmm. kind of approach and, you know, ask about specific, um, cases or something I didn't mention that, that I went through is I asked for, um, References. Yep. Of I would 100% that, give anyone references. Yep, yep. Yeah. So, um, you know, ask for that kind of stuff. Um, and then, you know, don't be afraid to have those conversations about things that, you know, maybe either make you feel uncomfortable or you're not interested in, in terms of products or, you know, other services this person might offer. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And know that there is somebody, there is a right fit out there for you. Right. Not all personal trainers or dietitians or health coaches are created equal, and there are a lot of different um, approaches out right. there. Right, and I would say too. This is kind of, this is what I was going to say earlier. It, it came back. See, um, <laughs> see, it's magic. So I think I think it's easy for people to assume that if someone is in the fitness field and they're the expert, and I feel like I should have to prove to you that I'm the expert. I don't think someone should assume that. And, and I think it's easy for people, oh, they're a personal trainer, so they're the expert. Well, you know what, they very well may not be. And, and I think it's, it's on the coach, or, you know, or, you know, dietitian, you know, whatever, that I, I feel like it's my responsibility in that first conversation, initial conversation, or even just with my social media stuff, to, to show repeatedly over and over and over, I'm an expert in this, you know, or I'm an authority in this because a lot of people in this field aren't, you know, and, and I think, you know, it's listen to the way a coach talks because a coach who works with people all the time and has these conversations all the time can communicate them really well and really efficiently. And when someone can't, that might be an indicator. Maybe they're not working with people. Because I know for a fact there are a lot of influencers and coaches out there that are working with no one. Yeah, they just no one. send out a, a, you know, buy my document or my like yep. plan that you can print out and here you go. Hundreds of thousands of followers because they have a physique that a lot of people want and they bend over a lot and show cleavage or abs <laughs> or whatever. I, you know, I'm serious. I'm serious. No, you are. And it makes it, me laugh. There's zero content. It's like if... If anything, they're an authority in taking selfies. You know what I mean? If anything, they're an authority at getting really tan. Yeah, they're good know? at lighting and camera angles. And- yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, if, but, but it's, I think it's easy for us to see those things and go like, whoa, they must know what they're doing, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's just not true. I think, I think you have to just spend some time with anybody, whether it's on the phone or social media stuff, and just like, does this person actually seem like they know what they're talking about is this person providing value to me on a regular basis is this person showing me that 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 they might be able to actually help me or are they just you know 
being gross and, you know, showing themselves off. Showing, showing some TNA on yeah. Instagram. Exactly. <clears throat> you know, and I think it's important to just don't assume that someone in this profession is any kind of authority at all. Yeah. Make them prove it to you. Cause I think a coach that's worth their while is happily going to do that. And on just on that, um, one last thought is I, I definitely appreciate your, um, sentiments that like it's on us as the professional to show mm -hmm. that we are deserving of this job and working mm -hmm. with you. Um, and I look at working with anybody as a privilege. I'm, you know, I'm continually flattered when people mm -hmm. reach out and want to work with me. Mm -hmm. um, and also, I think if you see or sense any immediate ego popping up or defensiveness popping up, if you do kind of question that or take that approach like, oh, I want this person to kind of show me, you know, I have questions about, question the hell out of me. Mm -hmm. I love it. I would really rather say, you know, I don't really know the answer to that. Let me investigate it and I'll send you some information or I'll find the answer. Um, if you sense or hear any defensiveness or like disregard for your questions or your concerns on things, yeah. that's, that's an exit sign yep. for you. 100%. So. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. All so. right. Now you know how to pick a health professional, right? <laughs> yeah. Or a fitness nutrition professional. Yeah. So good luck. Yeah. Don't, don't go, don't go hire Barkley, the nutritionist or whatever on online. Okay. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, I think Rally would be a great nutritionist. Maybe yeah. I should sign him up. Yeah. He, he's so good at rest and recovery. Um, he plays with his food. <laughs> I don't know if you know this, we have a food ball for him. They make these little cat food toys mm -hmm. that I guess, you know, because cats are hunters, it's important for them to like be stimulated to get their food. Right. So, um, so he, chases he has ball. a food ball. So he, he bats it around and That's it just awesome. drops kibble out on the floor and he <laughs> chomp, chomp, crunch, crunch. Anyway. That was kind of fun actually. I know. Maybe you should try that. Like You've still got a few hours of bachelorhood yet. No, right. <laughs> <You> can... <laughs> family comes out of my mom, my hands uh, and with a around a cat toy eating off ball the with Cheetos in it. Like what? <laughs> hey, that's a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Meaning in the mundane. Okay. Do you need okay. time to think about one? No, but I went first last time. So maybe you go first this time. <laughs> uh, so on Saturday, was it Saturday? Um, oh, I rode my bike inside because the air quality was terrible. Right. around yeah, here fires and, going on yeah it's it's better now uh sure. thankfully which i hope is an indication that maybe the fires are um getting under control but consequently what happens when i just do a ride inside i don't ride as long and it's kind of done early in the day so then i have this whole rest of the day and it was kind of too hot to like do any baking or cooking and i just didn't have anything else on my agenda or anything else beckoning me to, you know, get on a project or work or I didn't want to work because I right. think it's important for me to like, you know, take a break from that. Yeah. Um, and I really, I turned to Matt, I don't know, probably midway through the day. And I said, I'm kind of bored. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know the last time I truly felt bored. 
Like, you don't seem like really, the type of person who gets bored very often. I don't get, I don't get bored often. <laughs> yeah. I do know how to relax. I do know how to just watch, you know, TV mm-hmm. or I do know how to read or take a nap occasionally. I'm glad you know how to read. <laughs> I do. I uh, do. about me, but I can surprising. read. Surprising. <laughs> yeah, surprising. Um, but I, I really had that just epiphany that like, man, I'm bored. And it's the first time in a long time that I've been bored. Mm -hmm. So I, and I think it's actually good for humans to get bored. Mm -hmm. Um, especially, you know, we hear like kids with devices and different Mm -hmm. things, you know, we're always looking for this instant kind of, you know, gratification or entertainment. So I ended up, um, going out into the garden and puttering around. I called my parents. I, you know, hadn't chatted with them for a little while. So I called them, spent a couple hours just like, collecting lettuce seeds because I let some of my lettuce plants go to seed, um, came inside and made pesto from the fresh basil in the garden and nice. um, just did like random. I listened to a couple podcasts. I just kind of like had this very ordinary feeling afternoon where really nothing needed to be done, but I ended up just accomplishing these small things that were out of the ordinary and very um, meaningful to mm-hmm. me. Um, so yeah, that was my, that was my Saturday meeting in the mundane experience. Nice. Awesome. I love those just kind of like puttering around days. Like you're not doing anything like grand, but you're, you're still getting stuff done. You're productive, but it's at like a leisurely pace and mm-hmm. it doesn't get done. It's not a big deal. And I love yeah. that. Those are the best days. <laughs> yeah. It w- it was nice because by the time I had actually spent a few hours just like between the garden and calling my parents and puttering around the kitchen and whatever, mm-hmm. you know, it kind of came time to start making dinner. And mm-hmm. I I had planned a, a dinner based on all these garden vegetables. And so that took some prep and some, you know, so I exactly what you're saying, just this leisurely kind of okay, well, I have all this time. I'm going to appreciate it instead of whining about being bored. Right. <laughs> no, let's yeah. find something to do. Nice. Love it. Love it. Uh, for me, you know, I don't, I, I feel like it fits. Uh, it wasn't like super mundane, but it was just one of those moments. Well, several moments. I'll just tell a story. So we had the hurricane come in, right? It was supposed to hit us Wednesday night. And so Wednesday day, uh, was just like a lot of prep. I'm boarding up the house. You know, I'm bringing everything in from outside. I don't really know what I'm doing or how to prep well. I've never put these storm boards up in the windows, so I'm trying to figure that out. Um, and I have a neighbor next door. We, we have a lot of great neighbors on our block, but the, the one next door, um, he just, he came over and helped me out, helped me get stuff hung up, and I helped him with some stuff. And uh, later that evening, it was supposed to hit us around like eight or nine, something like that. And about seven o'clock, I, I get a call from him and he's like, cause both my, you know, back and front door were boarded up. Um, he's like, Hey, open your garage. I got something for you. And so I go out there and he, he had made dinner and brought me dinner cause he knew Kat and the girls were gone. You know, he's like, I know you're by yourself. So I brought you some dinner. And, and then the next day after the storm did nothing here. Um, you know, he was helping me take some boards down. I was helping him with some stuff. And it was just this, this really strong reminder of me, like, man, a a good neighbor is like a wonderful thing. Like someone who will just help you because you live next door to them, you know, and they're a good person and someone that you're happy to help and someone who, who thinks, you know, 
um, just keeps you in mind, like, hey, you're by yourself. I'll bring you dinner, you know, because he had some family staying with him that was from where uh, oh, that's was cool. hit a lot yeah. harder. And they made a big dinner. And he's like, well, I just brought you some. And it was just this really cool, you know, just reminder of like, man, a good neighbor is worth its weight in gold. <laughs> like, it's so yeah. valuable, you know. And it was just kind of cool because, you know, we didn't, we don't know him super well and just got to get to know him better. And, you know, it's just, it's just kind of this cool little thing before yeah. and after the hurricane of just neighborly stuff. Yeah. You know? And it's, it's nice to be remembered oh, and yeah. to be thought of, you know, and it, it's funny because the neighbors are not necessarily people that, you know, I mean, we, we see our neighbors a lot and we're very friendly with them. We love our neighbors but they're not necessarily people that, you know, you always will have over to your house for right. dinner or, right. you know, spend time with them or anything right. like that. Um, but you see them a lot. And yeah. like you're saying, you know, having that, those people in your life that, that care and think of you and, mm-hmm. you know, just have that kind of inclination to, to check yeah. in or to offer help or to, to just be a supportive human. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. That was nice. Good. Yeah. Good, and I'm I'm glad you didn't need all those boards. Yeah, me too. Save yeah. them for the next time. If there's yeah. the next time. Oh, there'll probably be plenty of next times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hurricane season just getting started, and we'll be here for a while. So. Oh boy. Okay, roll up your sleeves. Yeah, yeah. Gotta get used to it. <laughs> yeah. Well, right. um, thank you so much, everybody, for listening. We get mm-hmm. uh, some really great feedback and comments. And every single one of them is appreciated. So mm-hmm. thank you. Yep. And keep them coming. Um, mm-hmm. If you have topic requests or ideas, let us know. If you think this is um, a wonderful way to pass your time listening to us, please share with a friend. Yep. Um, and yeah, subscribe and drop us an email at middleish at gmail.com. All right. Well, thank you for listening and watching, everybody. Have a good week. Hey. We'll catch you next time.